Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Push Diaries Podcast. This podcast episode is very close to my heart and very near and dear to my personal circle. Brady's mom, Barb, has taught me how to laugh at life, how to laugh and keep the joy through life, and to truly never give up on hope, no matter how hard the situation is because giving up just simply isn't an option. On September 24th, Barb underwent surgery to remove both of her breasts. She has chosen to not only survive, but to have the best chance of living a full life without cancer yet again. About two weeks before Barb underwent her surgery, her daughter Mackenzie and her boyfriend Devin were in an awful motorcycle accident. I am happy to report that they are both alive but have sustained major injuries. Devin has undergone multiple surgeries to close his wound but will be entering in an extensive rehab process along with Mackenzie who has also undergone numerous surgeries to try to save what is left of her leg. Mackenzie sustained many breaks in her leg and suffers from a crushed knee. The doctors at the Mayo Clinic are remaining hopeful that things could be reconstructed and put back together, but the reality is, with injuries this severe and even segments of her leg bone missing along with muscle and skin, it may not be the best viable option. Mackenzie has been faced with a life-altering decision of whether or not she wants to keep her leg and fight for its healing no matter what's in store or amputate it. I wanted to get this episode out two weeks ago, but with everything happening to this family, I wanted to give them time to make decisions and deal with the jarring challenge that life yet again has presented. For those of you that are interested, there is a GoFundMe set up for Mackenzie's Healing. I will share the link in the show notes. As a person who has been through hours and hours of surgery and rehabilitation, I can't express how much well wishes, prayers, and hope I have for Mackenzie, Jeff, and Barb. This episode is about Jeff and Barb. Jeff and Barb met a few years ago and have fallen in love. Little did either of them know they would be faced with the task of also surviving together and overcoming odds that are truly unimaginable, with lots of heartbreak along the way. Barb, Jeff, and Mackenzie and I all want you to know that you're not alone and that if you keep the hope and keep the faith and love those around you, you can truly live through anything. It might not be easy, but you'll be glad you fought. Come along with me and hear the story of Jeff and Barb. You'll all be hearing more from Mackenzie later. Thank you for being here. Without further ado, Jeff and Barb, Episode 20. Now we got you. Good. Oh, Jeff's turning you up here. Nice. 
There we go. All right. <laughs> Can you hear me okay, you guys? Yep. But I know I don't have the greatest internet all the time because... Yeah, we're in the country, so... Same with us. But I haven't freaking talked to you since, like, the brewery. <laughs> I know. It's been a long time. I know. It's bogus. I hate it. Jeff, did I meet you at the brewery that night? No, at your testimony at church. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. St. Yeah. Ansker's. Okay. Because, Barb, you came to see me at, wasn't that Hosanna or was yep. that in Hastings? Yeah, yeah, I came up there. Yeah. That was a long time ago. It was. Oh, my God. It, it meant a lot that you came. Well. Yeah, and I was sicker than a dog up there, just with a flu or bug or icky yeah. bug. Yeah. <laughs> total crap and you still showed up but oh, that's, that. that's Barb Dirtall for you everybody that's right. her. yeah so I want to talk about like how you guys met and stuff because Jeff I've known Barb for I'm trying to think Barb like when I met you I was probably in like seventh grade or eighth grade somewhere around there pretty early on yeah yeah and I remember like Brady had a birthday party at the Saratoga and we had a pool party oh yeah <laughs> fun and like Barb I think I was served the most pizzas in my growing up life from you so <laughs> I appreciate that you bet <laughs> between you and Beth Jensen and Bob Jensen I'm pretty sure that my parents could have up and left at any time had they wanted to not that they would but <laughs> your house and was and you would have been fine yeah because yeah. of Barb yes of course <laughs> And like, I like learning how to ride a dirt bike at your house and yeah. I don't know, shooting a gun and BSing with you, putting kittens in my bra and wearing a towel <laughs> on my head and gosh, yeah. it was so much fun. Just random. You were just the best. So oh, thank you. I, I have so many good memories and hopefully lots more with all of us. I know we wanted to go tubing and I couldn't get home, but yeah. That's okay. So, yeah, so I'm in Michigan now, moved out here last year, and Tyler's grandparents were just diagnosed with um, dementia and ALS within the last five years. So, yeah, it's been getting hard for them to maintain a property, as you can imagine. So we moved in, and we're happy to be here. Yay! Huge yard. I can have my giant fish tank in here. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so it's is that the same one you had up in St. Cloud? Yes. Oh my gosh, seriously? This is the one Brady and I found on freaking Craigslist. Yeah, I remember that. I remember you putting it all together. I love it. It's been so fun. Still got the river rock from up there? Yeah. 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 I I love it that I feel like all my friends are like in my decorations, but I I miss everybody so much and I'm sure with you guys, too, with the stupid pandemic, it's like I feel like I haven't been able to get home as much as I want. So, right. Right. yeah. <laughs> so, where are you guys living? Tell me where you're living right now. I'll let Jeff tell you. Um, in my house, Barb sold her house last year, last July, and she was there longer than I've been here. This is the next month will be, month will be 30 years since I built this house. Ooh, so, cool. Well, six, six miles south of Hastings. Sweet. Kind of so, the I mean, I didn't pound all the nails in, but I was here every day when they were building it and stuff. Yeah. So picked up the picked up the land. My dad and I cleared out the trees, and so I've been here a long time. Very cool. So, Barb sold her house last year, and she didn't really need to go buy anything else, and 
she moved in here and it's been great. It has been. So it's it's you know 17 minutes for her and 38 minutes for me to the airport. So it's That's it's not awesome. it's right right south of Hastings on the where you turn off to go to Treasure Island off 316. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yep, I'm familiar with that because Red Wing is you know a familiar area to me, so I know yeah. just where you're talking about. Yeah, um, just on the road. So. And then Jeff, what do you do for work? I'm an aircraft mechanic. That's right. So do you work on like Delta, Sun Country, like all the different planes, or do you work well, for like just a Sun just Sun Country now? Yeah. Is that how you guys met? Did yes. you meet? No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to hear the story, Barb. You were flying somewhere. Yeah. Um, me and Lana, we took our moms out to Laughlin. Mom and dad used to go out there all the time and they loved it out there. So we decided to take our moms. We had a really fun time and we like to pretend like we're singers, which we really can't sing very good at all, but we think we oh, can. I and know you <laughs> can sing, girl. <laughs> and after a few, you know, wines or whatever, we even sound better. But on our way home, we dropped the moms off at the airport. It's a small airport out there. And we decided we we're going to go back into town because we had a little bit of a time to wait went back into a Irish pub and they called us and said, the plane's going to leave. So we hurried back to the airport, to the car rental. We were dropping off the car rental and I looked over and here's this tall, good looking guy pulling, coming out of his car, just a few stalls down. And of course, you know me, I'm like, Hey, how's it going? And he's like, good. And he kind of remembered me. So he knew I was going to be on his plane and I it was the only plane leaving that day. Yeah. You were I was riding on it. I was coming home. Yeah. I had been out there for a week already. Wow. Yeah. He was working out there. Yeah. I was a traveling mechanic for the first four years I was in some country. Yeah. Very cool. So, so, so you strike up a conversation as you're walking to the plane? No, no. We, we did our own thing. Went onto the plane and on the way up uh, the ramp to the plane, me and Lana were singing and stuff and all the people on the plane thought it was pretty cool and we get on the plane and never thought really much of it. And we stopped in Bismarck and kind of just had a little layover sort of. And I'm like, Lana, let's go up to the front of the plane and sing. And she's like, okay, okay. And we're going up there. And all of a sudden I get all the way to the front and I look back and Lana's not behind me. I'm like, what the heck? And the pilot up front is like, I said, we were going to sing on the, on the intercom or whatever. He just goes, here you go. And I'm like, no way, not by myself. <laughs> And I look up and here's this guy again standing there with one of his buddies. Then they started giving me a hard time or whatever. And I went back to my seat and I'm like, oh my God, he's really good looking. <laughs> and so I'm sitting on, I believe it was the right side. He was sitting on the left side, about four seats up from me. And Lana and her mom were sitting on that side. So I wrote on a piece of a puke bag, if I remember right. I still have this note. And it said, are you single? And then oh. I put, leave your number here with all the little lines to put his number. And I said, from a soon to be famous singer. <laughs> <laughs> so then I passed it over to Lana and her mom and they passed it all the way up to him. And then he turns around and big, big old smile. He goes, no, I got a girlfriend. I'm like, Oh, okay, whatever. No big deal. I'm saying it right. Right. So, far, so, good. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, that was kind of cool. That was fun. And I'm just still happy. Yeah, and I love it. Yep. <laughs> so then 
we get to Minneapolis and as I'm getting off the plane, he's kind of standing up at the front and he's trying to throw the, put this piece of paper back in my hand. And I'm like, kind of going, what are you doing? You know, what's going on or whatever. And I kind of look and I'm like, I wanted to talk. He goes, I can't talk right now. I'm working. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. So I got home. She had to go up the jetway and go into the terminal. And I had to go out of the jetway at the maintenance entrance down there, that little door that no one can come in and out of. Yeah. I had to go down there and get my tools and do all that stuff. So, <laughs> so he's kind of in a hurry. And I'm like, I could sit here and talk all night if you want. Yeah, you could. <laughs> but then I got home that night and of course, right away, he had left his phone number and his name, just his first name. So I texted him right away, and we kind of carried on a little conversation. And what was it? I did have a girlfriend, but I knew things were about to change. And i that's what I told her. I said, yes, I do, but things change. Yeah. yeah. And I waited yeah. the appropriate amount of time after things changed, a couple weeks, and then we got together. Yeah. And that's so cute. When he would call me or text me and say, well, we, we decided on a date um, at King's. And so he's texting me and I I never really, I'm like, well, you got a girlfriend. I'm like, so I texted him back and I kept saying, you sure this is okay? Because I'm not that kind of person. I'm not causing problems with any of this or whatever. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, do you got a, a friend or something you're introducing me to or what what's going on here you know twice I had to ask that because I'm like I am not going out with you or meeting with you if you've got a girlfriend because I'm thinking well maybe he's bringing his girlfriend with and he's got a friend that's coming yeah, yeah. I write down, no it's not going to cause any problems met up that night on one of the worst snowstorms of 2016 and sat for about three hours and talked and just basically almost fell in love right away oh my God. <laughs> I, did anyway. I should have just came around and told her a week after we saw each other in an airplane that i broke up with who i was seeing at the time and then two weeks later we were going off for lunch you know for supper you know i'm like i should have just came out and said it but i i didn't it was yeah, because I was like, this is weird. Not something I really wanted to talk about. But, yeah. <laughs> well, but of course, I, when I saw her face to face, then I told her that everything. Yeah. I get it, you guys. I got to tell you that if I was unhappy in my relationship, which I'm not, but if I wasn't, and it sounds like, Jeff, you were, and Barb, we all know, well, I know and you know, that you oh, yeah. have been brought through the ringer with previous relationships. So, oh, yeah. If I met someone that I thought was worth my time and worth a conversation, I would have done the same thing you did. And right. it's very admirable of you, Jeff, that you like cut ties, but also kept things open. And I mean, how could you pass up Barb? She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know if I would have passed it up. I had no idea what I was passing up. Right. Thank God I you, did. Yeah, because no. look at now. I mean, especially Jeff, what you've been through the last couple of years. Right. Having Barb as a partner, I bet, has been really uplifting and supportive. So it has been. it's been awesome. You bet. Yeah. yeah. So amazing. that is so cool. So you guys talked for three stinking hours. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then we get out to the car and there's like six inches of snow on top of the car and um Jeff brushed it all off and then as we're opening the door, he leans in for a kiss and I didn't realize it. So I'm just kind of get jumping in my car and I went, Hold on. Wait a minute. I turned around. I said, let's try that again. <laughs> so that oh, we did. <laughs> you guys are so freaking cute. They were so, still snowing, Tess. Yes. <laughs> so you guys met 
And then like two weeks late. How long was it? It was like two weeks, and you got. Met on March third. Sixth, and then we went out on the first date on March twenty third. You guys are so freaking cute, and it's literally like since then it's been history type of thing. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah. Sure. So how did your mom meet him on the plane that day? Oh, yeah. Not mom, really. She saw oh, me. Yeah, I'm sorry. Saw you me. never spoke. Yeah. I might have said hi to her or when when Barb was talking about me before we actually went to King's and had supper, she knew who she was talking about. Yeah. And she was more than thrilled to know that she actually met her. Sick yeah. Knew she her. Did. I mean, we didn't formally introduce because I didn't even know her. When she walked off the airplane test, I didn't even know what her real name was. Right. I thought she was a soon-to-be famous singer. Right. So, and I didn't even know where she lived or nothing. And then she said, well, I live in Cannon Falls. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's insane. Both of me, you know, right. it's not like she's in Hibbing and I'm in Blaine or, yeah. you know, whatever, in our broadcaster. Yeah, or she could have been in Texas visiting Lana. Like, who knows? Right. So, right. Right. And I was like. Insane. Oh, you know these people? Yeah, I know those people. Oh, yeah, I went to school with those people. Oh, I know those people. Oh, wait, that he's married to my sister. Oh, really? Yeah, I went to school with him. <laughs> oh, you know? my gosh. Yeah. So my sister's married to a classmate of hers. Wow. So yeah, it's small freaking world, isn't it? It is. I feel world. like, yeah, I feel like I say that literally every time I record a podcast because it's so true. It's like you meet someone totally random that you think you have no connection to. And then you find out they like, you know, are best friends with the person that trained your service dog. Cause I was just telling someone last week about that, that the gal who raised Macy for me, Barb and Jeff, uh-huh. her best friend is best friends with my brother-in-law's wife. And it's just like such a weird coincidence. Yeah, Macy could have, like, come to my house before I even met her if they, like, went through Anona, you know? So, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, but I met him through Helping Paws and Hopkins, so. But anyways, okay, so you guys meet on the plane. That was already, you said 2016, so it's been, you guys are coming up this next year, four years together, is that right? Five years this coming year, yeah. Holy crap, wow. Yeah. Remind me, your hair must have been like three or four inches long when you met Jeff. Um, or was it grown out again already? It was pretty much back to normal then. Okay, because you usually keep your hair about like shoulder length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About it is now a little bit longer. Yeah, a little bit longer maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I just remember like when I was going through my cancer treatment in 2014 is when I got diagnosed, and then I did my surgery and. Remember we had that like last bash before my surgery and we had walking tacos and you guys came out to Winona and Anne was there, Megan Sabrowski, Lauren, the Jensen's, some of Brady and my friends from St. Cloud came all the way down. It was just like so wonderful. And it was like so empowering to see you. (laughs) It was so bald. Well, but you literally, your hair was like only an inch long bar, but you made it through sister. And you were there showing me like, Hey, if you keep the hope and you keep the faith, you're you're gonna get through this one way or another, you know. And it was just really inspiring. But um, I want to know. <laughs> I said, now you're gonna make me cry. Well, <laughs> it's okay. You're allowed to cry. But I want to know before we get into the nitty gritty BS, uh, <laughs> cancer, because it is BS. 
What did your families think of one another? Because I love Jeff because you love him. And it's like, <laughs> I feel like your kids thought that too. And they're very protective of you because you're like a mama bear. Oh, you bet. Yeah. I have to say my, of course, my mom loved him at first sight or first knowing that we were getting together. They were all a little bit skeptical because Ryan's first thing was he said, you're dating an aircraft flight mechanic. Does his pants hang down on his butt? And does he have dreadlocks? <laughs> yeah. I was, on, I was on just another person on Ryan's kill list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just another one to add to the list. Don't, don't worry. You were probably somewhere in the middle or toward the bottom because you weren't too serious yet, I yeah. guess. <laughs> but the more he got to know me. Yep. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. They all accepted him right away almost. And, yeah. And Kenzie was a little bit longer, of course, because, you know, her dad's still in the picture and everything. And yeah, it's, oh my gosh, Tess, it's amazing now. They all think the world of them. Yeah. It's super awesome. Yeah. And I got to say too, Jeff, like, I remember Brady sent me a Marco Polo. She sent it to Ann and I and was like, you guys, you'll never guess. My mom has a boyfriend <laughs> or like someone who is like, she's very interested. I'm like, what? Like, who's this guy? She said he's from Hastings. He's got a good job. He's awesome. Like, I was just like, holy crap, Barb, like so happy for you because yeah. you deserve this. I mean, that's what, that's what makes life fun, right? Is finding someone you love that you can share it with and laugh oh, at. You bet. High five. That one. <laughs> But it's hard. It's like, it. I don't know. I feel like whether some people settle or we trust the wrong people, sometimes it's not so easy. Right. Yeah, Jeff's family now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, my, pr- that my was mom, pretty My mom, my sister. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves her. Yeah. It's, His they, one sister gave me a lot of hard times, but in a funny kind of serious, funny kind of a way. I think yeah. she was testing me out is what she oh, was doing. Oh, for sure. And Barb, like, Because that's the kind of relationship that her and I have. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of push and shove each other around and, you know, tease each other. And, yeah. you know, it used to be in the day if, you know, it was a family gathering and she didn't cry, I didn't think I did my job. <laughs> you know, you didn't that kind of sister, But we love each other dearly. But so when she met Barb, it was, you know, She's okay. Make sure I was doing things right. Yeah. Not sure she wanted to let her hair down in front of her until she knew she was going to be around for a while. Yeah. And yeah. now we get along great. Yep. And now it's been freaking almost five years. That's just insanity. So, so cool and exciting. It is. It's amazing. Barb, just as long as we're talking about Ken's, like, I know with your ex-husband, and I don't even want to say names because I don't want to offend anyone, but like when I found out about what was going on with him, I was so sad for you because, you know, like Jeff, Jeff knows the kind of woman you are. I know the kind of woman you are. The people in your life love you and support you and know what kind of friend you are, what kind of sister you are, what kind of aunt you are. It's just so sad that like you had to go through that. Can yeah. you just share with the listeners just briefly, like, what you thought when it happened and if you went through a dark time or, like, were you able to bounce back pretty quick because you had good supports? Well, I had wonderful support. Of course, it was really tough at first. Our relationship wasn't that great for quite a while. I don't know how to say this because me too. I don't want to offend anybody. It's just the fact that 
when it happened, I was devastated because I'm the kind of person that's going to do anything to make things good for anybody and everybody. And I thought it could work if, you know, things would change, but I should have known. And I did know deep down inside it was never going to change. So after I got over the shock of it and anger stayed for quite a while, but I was like, you know what, this was the point that just pushed me to where I really needed to be because I needed to be out of that relationship because I know I needed something more in my life that was better for me and for the kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just showing your kids like what you'll tolerate. And that was something that happened that you couldn't tolerate anymore. And I admire you for leaving because it's not ever easy. And you're right. Barb, I know you like you you are someone who'll try until the last cow runs home. But if that yeah. dang cow isn't coming home, it's like <laughs> shit off the pot, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> was anger like something you're familiar with? Like with Danny, I know this is going to be like a hard conversation. And part of me, like when I asked you to be on the podcast, I was like, oh, this is going to really suck because one, I love you. Yeah. And sucks. And like, <laughs> I know, Barb, that like you have faced cancer more than probably everybody listening to this podcast. I mean, seriously. Really? You, you have. Well, don't you think? Yeah. Danny, your dad, <laughs> you, yeah. Jeff your niece like you have been through the ringer and it's ugly but you're also one of the most positive people that I know (laughs) is anger something that you're used to or was that surprising for you anger like like how were you angry like where did it show that you were angry obviously you're angry with him but like was it bleeding into your professional life like was it affecting you at work no not at all not really I mean There was times when I had anxiety over it. So that's not really anger just because of the fact that you don't know what am I going to do now or whatever. Anger, I guess a few people know that it it takes a lot to make me mad. But like my dad said, don't ever piss her off because it's not good. (laughs) So really, I I, I don't get angry very often. People at work get frustrated with me because I am just like, you know, you guys, it's going to be okay. Well, this day really sucked, you know, and I'm like, no, really think about it. We got through it. Everything's good. Yeah. So I people saying, you, you, how are you so happy all the time? I'm like, it is what it is. Because that's yeah. the person she is. Yeah. I love yeah. life. I love people and I, I want to be happy and I want people to love life and be happy with me. So yeah. Yeah. Brady Brady has always said that too about you. And it, Barb, it's so hard for people in this day and age, especially now with like a year of politics, right? It's like oh gosh, yeah. people have such a hard time and the pandemic. Like, I think you bring up a really good point about time and perspective and just really making the most of it. And it sounds so cliche, but you're right when it really comes down to it. Like the things we can't have control over, is it really worth stressing out about? Exactly. I think, and because of the stuff I've been through too, it gives me more perspective on that time is short. Enjoy every minute you have and don't dwell on the horrible, awful things that you or anybody has to go through. Just keep pushing through and and look for everything that's happy and positive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Barb, if you don't mind, and Jeff, I would love to hear about both of your cancer journeys, where you're at now, 
But if you don't mind both just sharing where you have been exposed to cancer before in the past, Barb, if you don't mind mentioning Danny and like losing him and your dad and um, Jeff, if you have any um, familiarity with cancer in your family or growing up as a kid, what you were familiar with it, if you guys could just each share that, that'd be awesome. Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, mine's, <coughs> excuse me, mine's a lot short. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, my mom's a breast cancer survivor from 1993 wow. and was not a newlywed, but new dad and stuff and had my own stuff going on and, and all that. So I wasn't real involved in her cancer. My dad was still around now. My sisters were here at the time and stuff. So I was, I mean, I was there if she needed anything, but she really had a really good support group and she ended up being uh, the co-chair of the local breast cancer survivor group her and another person from town here so wow. um, so she's a survivor from from since the early 90s and my uncle her brother passed away from lung cancer and it's went into his spread into his brain in 2008 and he was probably my closest uncle he's my godfather and grew up the closest with him and stuff and they lived close when he went when he went to um the home hospice and all that and sorry it's still hard no, okay <laughs> jeff you share whatever you want and take your time because yeah. so, we're in a hurry well that's fine so that was that was really that was really my first law the cancer i mean i lost grandparents and my father and stuff before that but not the cancer so um and then that was really the closest two people that i know oh, my dad passed away um in 2000 from a like a widow maker heart attack okay so, he was around uh, my mom and stuff when she was going through her stuff and all that with cancer and that but yeah, that's hard, Jeff. You've lost a lot of close people that have been through, even if it wasn't cancer, it's still really hard to lose them, especially a heart attack. That's sudden. You sure don't expect that. So, no, no um, and I talked to him like 20 minutes. Wow. Before that, before my son and I found him. Yeah. Well, I thank God that he talked to you. I mean, was he okay when you talked to him, or was this? Yep. And I told yeah. him. I'm leaving. I'll be I'll be at the house in about 20 minutes. And we got there, and he was sitting in the lawn chair in the garage with his head tilted back, and he was gone. Wow, that's so sad. Felt bad. Sat down, had a heart attack, and just died. And it was the morning of the local garage sales, so people are like walking by in front of the house, and he's just sitting in the lawn chair in the garage with the door open, dead, and nobody even knew it. And it was only a few minutes probably right you know. right but people probably just thought he was sleeping or something or didn't yeah, even that was yeah. not uncommon for him right <laughs> not uncommon right. for him to sit down <laughs> and take a nap yeah god and then last year on my on my birthday i was washing my hands for break at work in the hangar and getting ready to go on morning break and i looked in the mirror just as you know i stand in front of the mirror and i happened to notice the one side of my neck was swollen up more than the other side of my well that's weird so i kind of kept looking at it throughout the day and i'm like that's probably something i should take a look at you know something's up and i could feel something in there 
So I told Barbara on the way home, she was just call the doctor and see what's going on. So they asked the questions and stuff, and I'm we're going out for supper at the our local favorite watering hole here in, in town for my birthday, my sisters, my mom and stuff. And I'm talking to the nurse and she says, you need to come into the emergency room. I said, well, I'm going to a birthday celebration. And she goes, I would imagine that everybody that's at that birthday celebration would understand why you can't make it because you're coming to the emergency room. I said, I'll be there in the morning. So I waited till the next morning and I went in, which is, it wasn't that big of a deal to wait another 12 hours. But right. so I started going to work at seven o'clock. I was at the emergency room at 620. And they did all the testing, CT scan, and all that stuff. And they said I had to come back for the fine needle biopsy. So I went back. That was a Tuesday. I went back on Thursday for that to ear, nose, and throat clinic. They did the testing. And then Friday, we found out that it was cancerous. It was on my tonsil. And then we kind of put together a plan. And we started by middle of September we had to remove some teeth so the radiation didn't kill the teeth and then they have teeth that aren't really alive and working properly in their mouth so they removed the teeth before the radiation so I could heal up a little bit and did 35 rounds of radiation and five rounds of chemo on the right side of my neck wow. by after about two weeks of the radiation I could barely even drink a glass of water or swallow any water so I had to go in, inpatient at the VA clinic, which is wonderful in Minneapolis, to um, the inpatient treatment there. So five days a week, I got to come home on the weekends, which was really nice. And uh, so I did all my therapy and everything and up there and got out and recovered for two months and went back to work at the end of January. My company has been wonderful about my hours and you know, they, I didn't have to go back on light duty or anything, but they didn't assign me to, you know, do, be the person that's running the chain hoist, putting an engine up on a wing or anything. You know, I got, yeah. they, you know, they understood that I wasn't a hundred percent full strength yet, but I wasn't also, I didn't need to be pushing papers either. Right. Right. So yeah, you're too smart even for now, they needed you on the floor still. <laughs> yeah, and even now, I mean, everybody else right now, because of the COVID since April 1st, everybody's been working 12 days on, 12 hours, four days on, four days off. And they've been understanding enough to allow me to just work eight hours, four days on, four days off. So we're with the same, like the same pod of people, you know, in the on day shift. Nice. And then you have an opposite four days on, four days off on day shift. And night shift has the same thing. So we leave before night shift gets there and they leave before day shift gets there and so forth. So you, you try to minimize your contact with your coworkers. Right, right. Have you, so you felt pretty safe going in there then? Yeah. Yep. Good. I have. Yeah. Good. So did you, was that this last January or was that a year ago now? <clears throat> no, this last. Okay. Yeah. So from the time you were diagnosed, when you noticed that swelling till the time you finished, how many months was that? Four. Wow. From July 9th on my birthday oh. until November 8th was the day of my last treatment. Dang, man. Yeah, I got well, to be involved in the radiation clinic. That was a pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> you know, a lot happened in those four months. Yeah. So, like, how's your how is your mouth now and your teeth now? Do you have any pain or? Yeah, a little bit still. And it's still kind of hard to eat some things. And I, 
when I eat, I either start to sweat or my nose starts to run. You know, normally you're when you're eating, you're making saliva and helping with your food and digestion. Yeah. And I'm just not making the saliva properly, but I could kind of try to explain to the doctors. Like, I can feel my body's doing something. So you start sweating or my nose starts, I'm blowing my nose. As soon as I start yeah. eating one or the other, it's weird. Yeah, it's like you need more moisture in your mouth and less moisture in your nose, but you're, yeah. So I need, I need to redirect or, you know, change the target a little bit. So, but of course you can't do that, but. Yeah, yeah. So does it help to just sip water as you eat? Like, do you think you're sipping more water? Yeah. Like I eat a sandwich. Uh, I can finally eat a ham and cheese sandwich again from my, and take it, carry my lunch to work. And I sip on a, like some chicken noodle soup. So I sip on the soup while I'm eating the sandwich and then I eat the noodles at the end kind of thing. Yeah. Now, when you were going through radiation and chemotherapy, did you have to have a feeding tube? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And it went through your nose, right? No. It was in my, it was in my chest. Okay. Went through your stomach. I have like a little, little belly buttonhole in the top of my chest. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, what was the hardest part, Jeff, like the radiation, the removal of your teeth, like maybe just the fear of you not making it through your treatment? Like, do you remember what was the hardest? Well, it was never, I was never diagnosed as not making it. It was always diagnosed as it's curable, it's treatable, and I have an awesome support person and group and support, support. I have wonderful support. I knew that. From the beginning. It makes a big difference, doesn't it? God, yeah. 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 And I knew I had, you know, between the Blue Cross Blue Shield at the at Sun Country and the VA coverage, and I knew it wasn't gonna be, you know, a financial devastation like this to a lot of families. Yeah. So I I was confident that we were gonna be able to survive that. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. I I mean I think my surgeries and chemo and everything could have bought a house. So, yeah, I think for my insurance, too, because, I mean, yeah, you guys know how much surgery costs. It's not cheap, and neither is that chemotherapy stuff. So, yeah. Jeff, I'm so happy to hear that, like, you had a good diagnosis, though, and your prognosis was positive. Yep. I've had two PET scans, and everything was looking really good, so we're not even... We're just waiting for the the healing to, you know, continue. Yeah, it'll take. I still have my, so I took out the, both the back, two teeth on the bottom on each side and one, and two teeth on the top on one side. So I'll probably just get dentures on the one side. So I have a a full rack on one side for chewing and just leave the other one. So I don't want to have a mouthful of dentures, two teeth at a time. And they can't do implants or anything because they, you know, that would traumatize the, the bone that's been radiated, which is what yeah. they're trying to avoid in the first place. So, so eventually I'll get some teeth on the bottom on the left side. And then you'll just eat on that left side mostly. Yeah, I'm sure I'll train myself eventually to just, it'll just become natural. To eat right. right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, I'm just so happy that you've made it through to the other side. And I'm so happy right. to hear you had good supports because... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Barb and I can both say the same, that if we didn't have so much love and support, we would be not as hopeful, too, at getting through it. Right. So, right. for sure. Oh. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm pretty positive that you guys all carried me too through my stuff because I had no freaking clue what I was in for. Like, honestly, looking back, like I feel a little naive. Like, I don't know, Barb, if you saw that in me, but I was naive. I yeah. felt like looking back at that stuff, I was like thinking like, Tess, how were you that positive? And it was 100% my friends and family. So yeah, yeah. And obviously I don't know you as well as Barb does, Tess, but did you know when you were going in for the surgery, what was going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. They told me I had like three options. They said they could try to go in to my, like into my spine and like remove the tumor because it was bone and tissue. So they said they could like, you know, scrape out what they could burn out, what they could do localized, like chemotherapy in some spots. But they said, you know, with this type of tumor, a chondroblastic osteosarcoma, that they knew it would grow back. You know, if the, if the chemo didn't kill it, which it wasn't doing, because I started the chemotherapy right away, it was making the outside necrotic, but it was still very active inside. So they just, my doctors flat out told me, they said, Tess, you can do that, but a better chance at life without cancer is complete removal, which would leave you paralyzed. And you knew that before you. Yeah, I did. And my surgeon was so great. I remember getting rolled into the ER and, you know, everybody was suited up, masked up, little goggles. I saw my doctor, Yazemski, and he said, Tess, you're sure you want to do this? Like, you're you're cool with with being paralyzed. And, you know, remember that when you're going under, when you wake up, you're not going to be able to wiggle your toes. You know, are you good? Are you good with that? And I just said, yeah, I trust that you know, the universe or God like has put you here. And if this is my best chance at survival, that's what I want to do. So I did know, and I'm thankful awesome. I did. Yeah. I'm thankful that they were so involved with letting me know what would, what would happen. Cause I think it would be really traumatizing if I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. I can't I, imagine. Yeah. No. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so I was able to prepare, you know, once we chose what we were going to do, which I think that had to have been the end of June. We had a plan. uh, The surgery was supposed to be July and then it got pushed to August. So I actually did two months of rehab and I used a wheelchair. So that was really cool too, because even though it feels very different being paralyzed, you know, the heaviness of just having my lower body like attached to my alive parts it just feels very (laughs) it feels like I have cement attached to me I mean you know you can wiggle your toes but imagine if you couldn't move a single muscle in your leg it would be much heavier so I'm really glad that I was able to do that rehab you know it gave me some of the markers that I needed to know coming out of it thanks for sharing that I didn't I didn't know that yeah no please ask me whatever you guys want along the way so you're how many months out now, Jeff, without that tumor? Nine. Nine, nine? months. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Nope. Super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, if, if the answer is no, it's okay. But have you had to go to therapy or anything since this or since your dad's death or your godfather's death? or? No. It's probably nice. shut up, but no. Well, <laughs> you have Barb. She's probably one of your therapists. Yeah. And it's not about everything, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. And it's helpful, too, I'm sure, to have your mom. You know, she went through that, too. So having her support, like you said. So 
Well, Barb, what about you? Let's start with you now, rewinding the clock to when little Brady and Ryan were <laughs> tiny little humans like Waylon. It's crazy to think about that, I bet. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, that's been a few years ago. It was, what was it, 91? Oh, my God. So, yeah, I was born in 89. Brady was. Yeah, yeah so um, I had Ryan. He was eight years old, and Brady wasn't quite two when their dad passed away. But of course we found out a year before that, that he had brain cancer. And we found out because he owned his own tree service, Dubar Tree Service, and he had been having a few headaches, but then one day he was up in the bucket and he said like, he just felt like he was out of this world. And then when he came down off the bucket, the boom or whatever, he said he had run into a tree cause he didn't see the tree on the side of him. And he called me at work and I said, well, you need to go to the doctor. So we got him in down to Red Wing and they wanted him to go to the eye doctor since it was, he couldn't see the tree. So he went to the eye doctor. The eye doctor immediately after he looked into his eyes said, uh, we need you to see a neurologist. And luckily at that time, the neurologist was there because the neurologist was only there, I think twice a month at that time. So that was really lucky. And so he's seen the neurologist and the neurologist basically said, you're going up to the cities. You need a CT scan of your head because things don't look right. And apparently they can see that kind of stuff when they look through your eyes and give you the neurological tests or whatever. So went up there, had the CT scan and I can't quite remember because it has been a while ago. And some of the things I kind of wanted to just, Block out of my mind. <laughs> no, it's so hard, and I'm sorry we're talking about no, it. It's okay, and I, I don't mind talking about it, but it's it still hurts, and just to think about my kids and stuff with it. Yeah. But anyway, so I think it was only like a couple days after that, if even maybe it was the next day. They said you need surgery, brain surgery, because you have an astrocytoma grade four, which is the worst it can get, and um. So then that night, my, I think his mom and dad came up, my mom and dad came up, and I rode home with my mom and dad. And before I left, of course, after hearing that news, I ran right to the bathroom and threw up because my stomach was just in all knots and stuff. And on the way home, I had to have my dad pull over so I could do it again and went home and got all packed up and ready to go back up ne the next day for the surgery. Yeah. He had two different surgeries, one right away, because we found out in March he had one right away, and then he had radiation and no chemo, because chemo did at the time, and I don't think it helps with the brain cancer these days either yet. They've, they're coming closer. But um, so then he had to go back in August and have a second uh, surgery on his brain, and well, when, when he first found out after the surgery, we found out he had a year to live is what they told us. And then after the second surgery, still the same. They were hoping they were going to get some kind of new treatment, the little microchips that they could put in for radiation, but they didn't get that far with it while he was still alive. But it was almost to a year, to the year um, that he passed away then in the next March. Yeah. 
Barb, was he able to like go back to work? Like, what did that year look like? Did you have to take time off work? I mean, and, um, not until the end. We both worked. He worked as much as he could. He was a substitute post office driver or whatever, rural driver for a while too. And he eventually had to quit that. But yeah, that next year after everything was happening, a lot of people came out and recited our house and wanted to make things easy for us and sent us down to Texas to see his sister, Chris Bodette and her husband and their kids knowing it would be the last time. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard. And um, we brought Brady and Ryan. Brady was still, she wasn't sucking on a bottle anymore because she was almost two. So I'm like, well, you know, I heard that if you suck on a bottle or pacifier, you don't, their ears don't get plugged so much or pop or whatever. So I let her do that again. And then we got back from there and then he just started kind of, it wasn't until the last two weeks of his life that he actually couldn't get around by himself. Wow. Gosh, yeah. he just sounds like such an incredible <laughs> man. Like, yeah. Yeah. Up to, until two weeks before he, so did you have hospice at your house with him? We did have hospice. Um, maybe it was maybe it was four weeks. It was four to four or two weeks that he was kind of going downhill. And luckily at the time too, his two sisters were nurses, so they came and helped a lot with Aww. medications and stuff. Because at the time I wasn't a nurse, and I wouldn't have felt comfortable probably doing that anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Hospice is hard on families, like. You know, when my grandma was dying, I was administering her pain meds for her, and it's uncomfortable. I mean, yeah, I get it, yeah. Barb. Like, for all the people listening that have gone through hospice or are going to go through hospice at some time in their life, whether for a loved one, it's it's a big um, undertaking, but it's amazing to be able to have our loved ones home, you know? Oh, yes, for sure. For sure. Do you mind me asking, like, do you remember what you told Ryan like how do you tell an eight-year-old that their daddy has cancer uh, yeah that was that? yeah what do you remember um I do remember he was in second grade and and I don't know if I remember this from remembering or from what I was told like I said a lot has been blocked out of my head and things come back once in a while but apparently my I believe it was my brother Bob went because we called everybody Oh, you're talking about when we first found out he had cancer. Well, either way, whichever yeah. you want to share. That part I don't remember. I think we both, me and Danny, both told him just, you know, your daddy's sick and he's he may die at some point. But in the meantime, I'll go back to this too. Danny wrote letters to a lot of people while he was getting sicker and sicker. And Ryan probably had the most letters telling him to take care of his mommy and little sister and stuff. And my mom and dad got a letter. His mom and dad got a letter. Some of his cousins got a letter. The daycare lady got a, a letter. Um, Brady got a cute little one because yeah. she wasn't around very long. <laughs> I yeah. mean, while he was around, I should say. Um, so I think it was just that we kind of didn't make it a real big deal, but made sure Ryan knew that something was happening to his dad, but, and it wasn't going to be good in the end, but the day yeah. of, 
Then, and what did your brother tell Ryan? Because you were saying that he went to talk to Ryan or? Yeah, he went to school died? to pick him, up, pick him up. So um, the whole family was there and um, so I, somebody must have called the school and told him that because his, his room or classmates knew about it too. So they wrote letters and stuff. But Bob went to pick him up and brought him home. And the hospice guy was there at the time. And he took him in the back room and just played video games with him and stuff. You know what? That's probably why he plays video games to this day, like like crazy. I just thought of that. That's kind of funny. The hospice guy isn't supposed to be teaching our kids how to get in front of the television. Yeah. But I do remember that because Danny was out in the living room in the hospital bed. And Ryan was back there with him playing whatever kind of games. And Ryan was always kind of a goofball, too. So he'd come out once in a while, but kind of yeah. just like or whatever. And Brady, of course, was, like I said, not, not quite too. So she really was just kind of hanging out and running around and yeah. had no idea what was going on. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, I do yeah. remember. I remember that day, too, right before it happened or maybe it was the day before his mom and dad were out there and I could tell things weren't going good because I don't know how much people know about when people pass away, how their body starts um, mold, molding, which is they turn white and you can see their veins and they turn harder. This is even before they actually die. But I, I'd seen that because the hospice lady kind of showed me his legs and said this is you know it's happening it's going to happen soon or whatever and so I went in the kitchen and started crying and Danny's like Barb I hear you in there now you stay strong you are strong and you will stay strong <laughs> and I'm like oh my god how can you be thinking about me you know yeah. right now <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And then I think too, Barb, it's like, gosh, after what Yumi and Jeff have all been through, like, had we not been able to pull out of it, I think we each would have said the same things. I think so, too. I think about that every once in a while. It's like, you know, you got to be strong. Yeah. <laughs> the people that are going to be left back here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And we have to love the people that are around us as best we can because we don't want to create you know an issue that someone's dealing with forever because of the way we mistreated them oh my gosh sure. <laughs> yeah yeah we know that too don't we we do for sure so you took his advice and you forged along and you raised those babies and i did yes and you mm -hmm. met your second husband and were blessed with kenzie and oh my gosh you bet you were able to get out of a not healthy relationship and now look at where you are you're with jeff and yeah <laughs> and it's wonderful hey there i'm a born minnesotan now michigan girl whose life was thrown into an ineffable state of uncertainty in 2014. i was 24 years old and diagnosed with a rare deadly tumor superhuman doctors at the mayo clinic of rochester minnesota saved my life by cutting me in half then putting me back together again with my leg bone we decided to put me in a cauldron full of chemotherapy drugs for nearly a year in hopes of killing the mutated cells while my incisions in my skin from three days of surgery took seven 
seven months to heal. It was so tough, but I'm so glad I'm here with you all on the other side. My fiance Tyler and I have started creating bonus content for our Patreon supporters. Patreon gives creators the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Having to ask people for money is difficult, and your support of this show is greatly appreciated. Thank you for sharing in my dream, and be sure to check out the bonus content online at patreon.com forward slash push diaries podcast. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, so (laughs) as long as we're focused on you now, can you tell the listeners about your first diagnosis with cancer and your treatment and all of that? I was diagnosed with endometrial cancer in 2013. And what happened there was, um, and this is, I don't know if I should be talking about this, but the way I found out is how um, when I was younger or whatever, when I first had my period, I always had really nice, easy, I never had any kind of problems, no gut, you know, no pain or anything. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's good you're sharing this because Barb, you never know who could listen and someone catch something early, you know. Yeah, so, and it was like two to three days long usually, and then all of a sudden, um, for a few months, I guess, maybe a year, I was starting to have a feeling of like a tight band around my waist and into my back, and I'm thinking, you know, it's probably just from work and stuff like that, and then as it got closer to when I found out, then my period started getting heavier and more painful. It just kind of kept going on and on and on. Of course, I worked at the hospital clinic then, and us girls talk about that. So I told my girlfriends, and they're like, you really need to get that checked. Even though I still had physicals every year, I'm always good about that. They're like, you should go up there. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I probably should. So I did, and they checked me out, and she said, you know, some things don't look right. So they go, we want to do a biopsy. I'm like, okay. She goes, it could probably just be menopause, early menopause or something like that. So I'm thinking, oh yeah, that's probably what it is. You know, is this Barb in your pap smear? They want to take a biopsy or they wanted to inject a needle. Yeah. They wanted to do an actual biopsy of my cervix. I think they actually did one inside the, the uterus too. And so, um, they did that. And then it was two days later, I believe I got a phone call when I'm at work and it was not the doctor. It was one of the nurse. Oh no, this was the doctor. And she was not there, but she said, I wanted to call you. I hate to give you this news over the phone, but you have endometrial cancer and it's called clear cell carcinoma, which is not a good cancer because it's, it's kind of rare and it's a cancer that could spread very fast and easily. And she barely got farther than the word cancer. And I pretty much dropped the phone. My boss picked it up, finished the conversation with her. And then one of the doctors I work with, he took, called upstairs to the OBGYN department, said, we're coming up. Barb's got to see you right now. And they got me in to see Dr. Stanhope, who did kind of a consult. And then from there, they got me hooked up with Rochester. Mayo Clinic and within three days I was down there having it's a big long word you want me to tell you it all I had to write it down so I don't mess it up yeah 
Yes, I do. It's called laparoscopic lap-assisted bilateral para-aortic lymphadenectomy, which means they took 52 lymph nodes off my aorta, robotic hysterectomy, bilateral salpingo or oophorectomy, bilateral pelvic lymphadenectomy, lap-assisted omentectomy. So meaning I had my uterus, my tubes, my ovaries, my omentum that covers your abdomen, 52 lymph nodes all removed, partly um, robotically, laparoscopically. Holy crap. Isn't isn't the medical field insane that they yeah. can do that? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> so you had, you had lymph nodes that were going across your abdomen, and is that what was causing pain? or or? No, I think it's because the uterus was enlarged and okay. just, yeah, because it was, yeah, it was pretty, getting pretty big and the, the cancer went through about three quarters of the uterus on the, on the inside. Wow. So it, it was getting to be where if I wouldn't have found it, then it probably wouldn't have been as good of a turnout as it was. Yeah, well, thank God you like knew something was weird and you asked about it because you could have ignored that for so long it could have spread you know right exactly yeah yes. so yeah. they did the, they did that surgery all in one wham all in one yeah, go. They did. i can't remember what the kids said i think it was like about a four hour five hour surgery and they were all waiting very patiently for me and yeah. they told me when i got wheeled back up there i was going past them and i was telling the nurse i can get up and i can walk to my room <laughs> And they're like, Mom, no, you can't. You had a huge surgery. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, I guess it's not surprising hearing the nurse say she wants to help out. <laughs> exactly. Right. I probably would have offered to push me down the hallway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Okay, so that was, now was that 2000, do you say 2013? 2013. Oh, and I do have to tell you this part, too. Yes. When I did find out that same day. Um, I had a very good friend of mine that was working with me and she offered to drive me home and um, I was worried about my car, of course. And she goes, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to drive you home. Nick's going to meet us at the parking lot in Cannon Falls and we'll get you all the way home. And my biggest fear, of course, was telling my kids who had already lost their dad yeah. <laughs> that their mom has cancer now too. So my ex-husband had called Ryan because he was not living at home at the time and said, Ryan, I would like you to come home because your mom has something that she needs to tell you. And so I think Brady was up at St. Cloud. No. Where was Brady? I don't know. She... 13. No, we, she would have been back down in Faribault, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, she got the she got a phone call and Ryan did come home and he was sitting out in the shop on the end of the truck and he saw me come walking up and I told him and his, his head just dropped and <laughs> it was, it was horrible that part. And then um, also Bri or Mackenzie, when her dad told her, she just fell to her knees and started crying too. So yeah. Yeah, because you all have you all have known plenty of people that have lost. I mean, I even think Kenzie 
has a huge understanding of what it's like growing up with two siblings who didn't have their dad in the picture. Right. And just like you said, telling your kids, you guys are all so close. It must have been horrible to have to say it. It it was awful. I just didn't want them to feel bad and be scared because I knew they would be. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so yet again, you say, guys, keep the faith. Right, yeah. And try to get through it. And yeah. and Mackenzie, that was actually her senior year of high school, graduating at that same time I found out and had my surgery. But all my friends came together and had the graduation party just as planned. Somebody bought and paid for all the meat. Found out later who it was, yeah. another very good friend of mine. Her husband went and took care of that. And, um, yeah, the party went on as usual. But Mackenzie went up to college and it was, I think, two weeks and she couldn't take it anymore. She said, I got to go home. I got to help my mom get through this. So then she did quit Bemidji and she came home and eventually went back to school. And she's very successful now as a vet tech. Yes, yes, she is. It is so cool seeing what she's doing because animals, I think, are the closest thing to angels on the earth. Oh my gosh, yes, for sure. Yeah, it's just amazing seeing how happy she is and that big smile on her face. Like, where have we ever seen her? Yeah. So I'm so proud of all three of my kids. They're all doing so good. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, that makes me really are. And you have a freaking grandson now. Can we talk about that? I love that little bugger. I was going to say, are you madly in love? Oh my gosh, yeah. He was here this weekend, this last weekend, and the weekend before his baptism. And then a week or two before that, he got to spend the night with just us. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was very cool. It was. Um, yeah, how did he do? He did wonderful. He's oh. the best baby ever. <laughs> he knows you guys so well. You're with him all the time. Yeah, so. not as much as we'd like to, but as yeah, much as I we know. can. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? Do you have any grandchildren? Nope. Nope. So this is special for both of you guys to have a little whale in her phone. You best. (laughs) Babies are the best. best. They just bring so much hope and positivity. Yes. You bet. For sure. Okay. So, Barb, a bunch of sad BS now. I want to talk to you about your recent diagnosis. Can you share what happened? Was this a regular mammogram? Like, what yeah. is does this have anything to do with the clear cell carcinoma? What do you know about it? It has nothing to do with that as far as well, not with the clear cell carcinoma. When um I had my endometrial surgery, they did find out I have Lynch syndrome, which is a hereditary um uh cancer gene that uh endometrial colon stomach some skin cancers and a few others that are involved with it. So I'm more susceptible to getting those kind of cancers. But as of now to this day, they don't know for sure if breast cancer is a part of that or not. Okay. I did do some more genetic testing when I went down this last time and they're going to look into it more and stuff. Did you have to ask for that? No. Um, with my family history, cause I, I've got a lot of cancer on my dad's side of the family. Pretty much almost all my uncles have had colon cancer. My dad passed away from colon cancer. Um, My aunt, one of my aunts had stomach cancer, and she just passed away recently, too. Um, A couple of my aunts had 
breast cancer, great aunts and stuff. But with all of that, with the history, because they take that, you know, when you go down for visits and stuff, they said, you know, we should really check you for that. Or do you know of anybody in your family that has it? Well, we happen to know that my uncle Frank had been tested for it. So I was able to get his records with his permission. So they were able to check my tissues to see if I had the same gene as he did. And that's wow. how they found out the Lynch syndrome. Wow. So yeah. like you're saying on your family history, that's when they said, wait a minute, Barb, you have lots of cancer on this side. Yeah. Let's take a deeper look at that. Okay. Yeah. And with that being said, um, all three of my kids got tested because there are preventative things you can do to help that you possibly won't get it. And two out of three of my kids have it and one doesn't. Okay. Wow. I think it's really a blessing that they can, like you said, do what they can now, Uh Um, even just to be aware of it so that they can stay up on their preventative testing. Because to all the listeners that are thinking about doing mammograms or pap smears or, you know, thinking about looking at their family history or genetic testing, it's something would encourage, right? I mean, oh, you bet. yeah. yeah. Some people don't want to get tested because they're afraid of what they might find out. But it's a good thing to know because then you can, like you said, be preventative and have your mammograms, have your pap smears and have your blood work, have your urine checked and all those kind of things. Yeah, I'm so happy my kids, all three, agreed to have it done. I have a couple brothers and a sister that I don't know if any one of them have, but I think they're a little afraid of it. Yeah, well, (laughs) you guys sure have a reason to be afraid. Cancer is nothing to laugh about, and it's it's hard. It's I mean, we've all seen it take people we love. So yeah, with this diagnosis, though, you're asking. I had just gotten set free from my other diagnosis seven years out. I went for my checkup, my final, final checkup. And she goes, you know what? We don't have to see you anymore. She says, we got to get you set up for with another just OBGYN doctor now, not the oncology. And I said, cool, you know, I'm happy, but I'm scared because now how am I going to know if you're not doing CT scans every six months or every year or whatever? She says, just we'll keep an eye on it, you know, your regular doctor or whatever. And then she goes, but you know what? it looks like you're a little behind on your mammogram. And I, like I said, so good about doing all my checkups every year on the dot, but with COVID and different things going on, I just kind of got a little behind, but it was well, only, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just it was only three months. It was like three months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got back to where. Yeah. My, thank God you went after three yeah. months, you know, because right. yeah, you guys have had a rough year with other things. So, right. But so I, I went and I got my mammogram and I got a call two days later there. We need extra images. So then they sent me to Rochester, got oh, the shit. images, and then I had to come back up for a biopsy. I think it was the next day. Got the call that it was invasive ductal carcinoma from the biopsy. They got the pathology report back and that's what it came up as. Um, so, yeah, now I'm set up for more appointments. And um, when Barb, when was that appointment where you got your biopsy done or when you found out your diagnosis? It was on Jeff's birthday <laughs> again, J- oh. July 9th. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Well, I'm going to just say that July 9th of next year had better be one for the books. <laughs> yes, for sure. Go on a really good trip or something because I you so. deserve it. 
You bet. Yeah. And, and start believing it because the more you put that positive energy out there, I think the more it could come true. So yeah. I, I do want to say this because I thought about this when we were thought about doing the podcast, it was like, I was going to tell you, and maybe I texted you that, that my first diagnosis of cancer, I, I felt like it was my death sentence. I really did. Cause I was scared to death. And the way the doctor told me that it was a really rare aggressive cancer I thought for sure that was going to be the end of it and now when I got this one I was pissed because of course you're going to think really do I have to go through this again and I'm not thinking why me I'm just thinking do I have to go through it again I'm not thinking you know why couldn't it be somebody else but I'm a lot more confident this time and I I'm positive that I'm going to get through this and with the support of this lovely man here and my wonderful family and friends and you Tess of course <laughs> oh, well I'm always a cheerleader on your team Barb I just, you're amazing I, it's just it's just horrible it's horrible that we we have to live through this and cancer is very real and the, the fact that you can stay so positive I mean is there anything you can say to people that are listening that could be helpful one of the things I tell a lot of people is my thoughts are is I think about myself, but I also think about there's so many people, other people out there that have it way worse than me. And I want to be a good role model for anybody that does have diagnosis of cancer and say, you will get through this, you know, just have faith and and just plug on. Don't ever yeah down just because positive thinking is going to get you a long long ways yeah and I'm, I'm lucky where I work also when I did have my um, first cancer I did lose my hair and the doctors would ask because I, I deal with a lot of breast cancers at my job and different colon cancers and stuff like that but one of my doctors asked if I would go in a room and talk to a patient about losing the hair because one of the scary things for women and men is am I going to lose my hair oh my gosh I'm going to look yeah. weird you it's know like jewelry our hair is like our jewelry yeah. Yeah. right but she, she told this patient she says you're not going to believe it but one of my nurses actually had cancer and is going through treatments now she you would never know that it's her because she checked you in or what, or I think she checked you in. And so I said, I of course will go in and I'll talk to this patient. So I walked in and she's like, are you kidding me? The patient said that to me. And I'm like, yeah, I said, this is a wig. I said, do you want me to take it off? Cause I will. I said, but I don't want you to freak out or anything. So I did. And she's like, Oh my gosh, this helps so much. And she's <laughs> like, um, I said, and the only reason I'm wearing this wig here is because I don't want people here at work to think this appointment is about me and not about them. I said, I'm out of here. I don't wear it if I don't have to. <laughs> you know, I got used to it. Yeah, well, and I bet it kept your head warm, too. <laughs> too warm. Yeah. <laughs> I did wear stocking caps that night when I went yeah. to bed. It was pretty cold. That yeah. Night. <laughs> yeah. But I hear you. Sometimes it's like, man, I envy men sometimes when it's like you could just have – the free wind blowing across your scalp whenever you want. Oh, yeah. I went to one of my son-in-law's uh, baseball games, and his dad doesn't have a whole lot of hair. And me and him sat together, and 
we got a picture taken together and it's pretty cute. A couple oh, of bald people. <laughs> with, two, with two bald heads, a couple right. of buttons. Oh my goodness. You know, you just being a nurse and Jeff, if you want to speak to this too, just what kind of woman Barb is, but like, you know, we know you're positive, but how has your life experience with cancer, like, helped your nursing and how has your nursing helped your life being around cancer like how would you answer that oh boy I I don't know I've always been very compassionate about people and especially if they're sick I I feel you know I feel their pain I guess I can say and I feel like I'm able to relate to them a lot better and like I said before just kind of talk to them about anything they want to talk to me about I don't know what else to say on that to be honest well that's okay what about you Jeff do you have anything you want to add to that I never had to worry about anything when I was going through myself Barb knew <laughs> she knew what, Barb, you Barb knew what I needed before I knew it yeah she was already making arrangements for it or planning for it or buying it or whatever she just yeah. knew yeah yeah i didn't, like, I I didn't even have to ask for anything were on bed. yeah i didn't have to ask for a thing and that's unusual not everybody gets that lucky no so i feel very lucky yeah worth it <laughs> yeah and i think your kids would say the same thing about you barb like you know, if I needed something, you would have dropped a hat and come and help me. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just, yeah, I want you to stay positive. And do you, can I ask you a little bit more about the cancer that they found? Is it in both breasts? Is it in one? Yeah. Um, it's in one. It's in my left breast. It's, it's pretty small. Um, that's good. They, yeah, it's very good. They don't know if it's spread to the lymph nodes yet. So during surgery, they will um, do a lymph node biopsy, sentinel lymph node biopsy is what it's called. They'll inject dye in and where that dye goes to the lymph nodes, if there's any that they can see or light up, they'll take them out. Are those lymph nodes in your breast then? They're actually in your axilla. In okay. Your oh, they're in your, in your armpit. <laughs> Okay, there's like way too many lymph nodes in the body. I was like, where the hell are you talking about? But okay, so they're gonna they're gonna check up here when they're in doing surgery. Okay, they inject a radioactive dye into your nipple area, and then it's there's a blue dye that also goes in there just to kind of find them. But they'll use it's basically a Geiger counter and go into your lip or your axilla, and if it goes it because I've I'm in surgery with this kind of stuff, yeah, so I know, you know. It, like. it kind of goes beep, 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 and gets louder. And so then they find it, and then they take it out, and then they test it. But um, as far as the what I'm going to plan on doing, they did say that I would be a good candidate for a lumpectomy. But because of the small size, depending on if it's in the lymph nodes or not, if it is, I'd have to probably have radiation and chemo. If it's not, I shouldn't have to have either. Because I have decided to have um, a bilateral mastectomy because of my family history and my history. And I don't want to have to deal with it again. Which there's about the same amount of chances of getting it back as a lumpectomy or mastectomy. But I figured this way 
I feel up like I'm going to feel better if they're both gone. Yeah. I'm also going to do um, reconstruction also. I like my boobs. (laughs) I don't like your boobs. I can't even imagine Barb without boobs. But Barb, I mean, seriously, they're going to do such a beautiful job. Just how talented, because don't plastic surgeons do that or who does that? I have an appointment with the breast surgeon on September 10th and an appointment with the plastic surgeon on September 14th. And so they hope to have my surgery scheduled the end of September or the first week in October. Wow. It's, it's wow. been kind of a long drawn out process, but of course I think about it every day, finding out in July and now I'm not going to have it until like the end of September. It's like, wow, that's a long wait. But uh, part of me is like, wow, this is okay. It's summertime. I've been able to go on the boat more, <laughs> you yeah. know, just knowing that I work with the, all these people and I've got very good friends that are doctors that are really specialists in breasts and stuff. And every one of them I've talked to said, don't worry, it's not going to spread within three months. Right. Some of them had said some ladies, older ladies, usually they wait years and it hasn't spread or it hasn't gotten bigger. Yeah. But I'm not taking that chance. I'm getting it done as soon as possible and it'll be done. I admire your decision. I know that's a really hard decision, but I was in the same boat as you where it's like, yeah, be a B option that completely removes my worry. Cause you're right. Wouldn't it suck if you did just a lumpectomy and then in a year or something else, like, so will they remove your breast and put in your new one all in the same surgery? That's my hope, but it, they don't know yet. I don't, I think yeah. the answer is I, it depends on how much tissue they have left to work with, um, which I'm thinking myself, there should be plenty of it. <laughs> thank God, thank God, God blessed you with big knockers, Barb. Right. They're going to be able to have a lot to work with. <laughs> but so it does depend on how much tissue they take out and the size I want and stuff like that. If if they need to, they may put expanders in for a couple months or whatever, and then have to go back in and put the real implants in. So yeah, I'll just have to wait and see that part. If I have to do another surgery, I guess I have to, but I would really love it if they could just do it all in one shot. One recovery. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, or at least close together, right? Because I mean, I don't know anything about breast cancer reconstruction. Like, do they usually have to let you heal in between? Yeah, I think it's like within a couple months they can go back, depending on how long it takes to stretch the skin. In like order you said, yeah. yeah, it might depend on what they find when they go in and how long it takes to heal and all of that. Right, yeah. Oh, well, I will be keeping you in my prayers over this next month and for sure on the 10th and the 14th. So oh, well, thank you. Yeah. You're always in my prayers too, Tess. Well, thank you. I know, I know. I'm pretty well taken care of. You know, I have to remember to not be anger and bitter too. And it's hard to do that, especially during a pandemic. We're all social creatures. We like to get out and see our friends. If I'm not afraid, somebody else is. Or when I'm afraid, they're not. And it's like, (laughs) it's just, I can't wait for 2020 to excuse itself right out of here. And I bet you guys are feeling kind of the same. You bet, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys want to share with people that you feel like has been a life um, realization about resilience 
and getting through tough times. I mean, not even cancer related necessarily, but just like if someone's in an abusive relationship or they're hanging on to a girlfriend that they don't need or I don't know. (laughs) Is there anything you guys want to share about? Just be strong, be positive, just get out and get what you deserve. Get the love and the caring that you deserve. And And if you're not getting it, quit putting up with it, right? Right, Exactly. Find yourself a Jeff and a Barb. (laughs) Good luck with that. I have to say we're pretty good together. We are. You You guys are so freaking cute. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on. I firmly believe, Barb, that you're going to get through this and you're going to be able to look back at this and be like, whoa, I was strong then and I still am, even if it gets hard. So thanks for having us, Tess. Yes. I love you guys both. Thanks for making time for me and we'll be in touch. Okay. Sounds great. Love you. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Yeah, no kidding. There you are. I got it. <laughs> I knew you could do it. Look at you, you hot thing. How did you talk <laughs> and curl your hair in like 40 minutes? You're amazing. <laughs> it doesn't take too long. What are you doing today, Barb? Got anything fun going on? Yeah. Um. Well, yesterday I spent most of the day cleaning out one of my closets. <laughs> today I'm going to try to finish that up. I've got a bunch of clothes I'm getting rid of. Good for you. And then I'm going to meet up with Kenzie because she's going to look over some of them, probably go to TJ Maxx to fill my closet up again. Right. (laughs) You're so funny. Well, you're going to be able to get rid of your bras and shit, aren't you? I bet you have so many tank tops and like, Oh yeah. I have a ton of bras. I'm I'm not going to get rid of them until I fit or not, or if I even need them. Yeah. Do you want a reduction? Cause I know. Yeah, you don't. There's no, no need for that. Okay. I want to be the same. I want to look like me. Yeah. Well, and Barb, you've lost a ton of weight in the last 10 years. Well, I did, but I've gained some back, too. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're gorgeous no matter how big you are, so. Oh, thank you. But I know it's hard. You know, we put more pressure on ourselves individually with weight than we do, you know, what our oh. friends and family think of us. They're like, oh, you look great. It's like, I feel like crap. I want <laughs> That's how I feel right now. Oh, gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so happy to hear your appointment went well. Yeah, it went good. Um, It was weird. You know, it really puts it into perspective what's going to happen. And, you know, dealing with it at work all the time, it's like, wow, you know, I don't really know everything these women have had to go through. It's just they said that they probably will have to do expanders, even though I do have big boobs and there'll be a lot of skin but they'll take some out too. So I will be having most likely two surgeries because I'll have the mastectomy and then they'll put expanders in there. And then hopefully by the end of the year, I'll go, go back in and get the implants put in. Sure. That's so hard. Are you worried about like being able to love boobs that aren't your own? Like uh, does that make sense or, or, or what do you think about that? It's on my mind constantly. It's so going to be so weird. Also, because I, I did ask if they could do the nipple sparing where I keep my nipple. But for bigger breasted women, they say most likely not. 
So that's going to be really weird too, you know, and looking in the mirror and going, oh my God. So I'm kind of freaked out about that and nervous about that. Well, and I don't, and again, I don't want to like talk about anything you're not comfortable with, but like even just sexually and sensitively, like losing your nipples and Uh like, and, and it's right on the front of your body. Our breasts are something as women that we cherish and we admire and we feel powerful with them. Like, heck, Barb, you you nourished three freaking kids with them. <laughs> I sure did. Ryan loves to hear that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people like you. Yeah, one time we were at a, a bar, and I kind of rubbed up against him or whatever. He goes, Mom, get your boobs off me. And I'm like, Ryan, you sucked on them all the time. <laughs> and he's like, ew, shut up. <laughs> That is so funny. I love that. I could just hear Ryan saying that. Get your both off me, Bob. Whatever. But yeah. Yeah, that's so hard. I I just, you know, with my legs, I walked on them for 24 years of my life, and now they're just kind of there. Yeah. And I know you're looking down at your boobs, and in the mirror, they're going to just kind of be there, and it's going to be something you... We'll have to accept and, you know, learn to love all over again. But Barb, the vessel that you are, like you carrying your body, you're a survivor in every sense of the word. And this is just another example of what that means. And it's not easy. I'm not saying that that's easy. I hate looking right. down at my legs and being like, God, I can't run on these anymore. I can't. Ooh, that's got to be tough. Yeah. Oh. Even, even for me in a sexual way, it's like, I can't feel my butt. So right. yeah. we just to learn how to check in with ourselves and love ourselves through it, even though. Yeah. Big loss. Jeff loves you more than just your boobs. And so do I. <laughs> yeah. I did ask him about that. I said before the doc came back in and said that most likely I wouldn't be keeping my nipples or really I won't be. And when she was out of the room, I asked Jeff that too. I said, you're going to love my boobs even if they don't have nipples. He goes, you know what? I don't really care. That's right. Yeah. It's like it's perk at this point. Yeah. To have breasts put back on. So what department do you work in at your job? It's general surgery. So we do all kinds of things. I always tell people it's belly butts and boobs because we do breasts. We do like colons and we do hemorrhoids. And so belly butts and boobs, basically. (laughs) Well, okay. One thing we missed recording when I had you on last time was, and I apologize because I interrupt and not in a mean way, just like I want to ask all the things and sometimes when I'm done with an interview I'm like crap I didn't get that whatever but I I know Jeff was um complimenting you on like how good of a partner you are but I want to hear about why you love Jeff what things do you love about him oh my gosh there's many many things (laughs) he's just he's just awesome he's so understanding so forgiving and he just we just adore each other I mean People, he always says, people want to be us, <laughs> which is so cool when he says that. He's just, everything about him, he he cares about me. He takes care of me. We think a lot alike. One of his nieces actually said to Jeff, she, she goes, Barb's a female you, Jeff, because we're so much alike because we just love people and we know so many people and a lot of them are the same people that we didn't realize. 
until we run into him. And I don't know, I just everything about him is wonderful. Yeah. Do you feel like because of the losses and relationships you guys have both had, you know, his dad, you losing your last couple husbands and um, some family members and, and things like that. Do you feel like your losses have made you guys a stronger couple? Oh, yes, definitely. You don't you don't take life for granted and you really, really care about the people that are around you because we know so well that they can be gone in no time. So yeah. I think that definitely has helped both of us. Yeah. How do you and Jeff like stay positive and stay focused on the present? Well, number one, we hardly ever watch TV. We, as far as real TV or news, cause it got to be too much. And it's like, I really don't want to hear about this stuff anymore. Yeah. It's, it's a bad thing and we're going to do our best to, you know, keep things good and healthy and do what we're supposed to do, but we just chose not to watch it anymore. So instead of that, we watch like Netflix or whatever. And yeah. And like you said, we still visit our families and stuff and everybody's good with that. So long, so long as everybody's feeling good. Yep. Cause we're, we all have our own things going on and we all still go to work and do this and that. And so we figure, you know, just, be careful. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but not like you and Jeff don't have an understanding of like how serious healthcare is. I mean, oh, you guys. You so, like you're saying, it's like if everybody feels good, it's I think it's better for our mental health to still have those relationships and see those family members. And like you're saying, just if you guys feel sick one day, cancel your plans. But otherwise, right. yep, I had okay. to do that once for wishing to go see my little Mr. Whalen. Yeah, it was like at the very beginning of the, the coronavirus. And so I had like the, a cough and sore throat and the whole ball wax and whatever. And I got tested and stuff. And they said it was um, I didn't get tested for Corona because they hadn't even really started doing it then. I don't think. Yeah. So in February, I believe. And I went in and they said it was probably um, the flu bug or something. And for like a month, I didn't go see Whalen, and that just, oh, yeah, throw me nuts. <laughs> I know it sucks, especially when he's so little. They change so much. Isn't it amazing oh. that he is already like he's like turning out of a baby? Like he's gonna mm-hmm. be a doctor soon, you know? Yeah, he's already. Well, I think they finally put him in his crib the other night because his bassinet. He, I think she woke Brady woke up and here he was standing up in his bassinet, looking oh. over the edge. <laughs> Like, mom, I'm ready to escape this. So yeah. I'm just letting you know that I can stand now. <laughs> Those big blue eyes staring at you. <laughs> oh, he, gosh. He has the prettiest blue eyes. Evan has blue eyes too, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 So he, you know, he got it from his mama and his dad and his right. grandparents. So. Gosh, those eyes are gorgeous. Uh, every picture I see of him when he's just staring, it's like you have literally the most beautiful blue eyes. Oh my gosh, yeah. He is so gorgeous. He's my screensaver at work. Oh, I love it. So yeah. Okay, so Barb, what do you want to share about um, your dad and about Lindsay? I, I want to just kind of give you the floor and let you share those experiences too. I know I mentioned that like you are someone who's been through cancer a lot and I don't want to downplay like the people that are listening that might have lost a kid to cancer or oh my gosh. a husband to cancer. I mean, you know what that's like, but I don't know what that's like. So I don't want to downplay 
the cancer stories that people have that don't come out good on the other side. You and I are survivors, but you and I also know that a lot of people aren't blessed with surviving cancers. Yeah, I can't imagine having a diagnosis that you know the outcome is not good. That would be horrible. Um, But with my dad, I always say I take after him a lot because he's the one in our family that has had all the cancers and he had cancer. I believe he was 49 when he got his first colon cancer. It was my senior year in high school when he got it. And then um, every nine years, 10 years, nine or 10 years, every 10 years, I think it was after that, he got it back, the colon cancer until he passed away 10 years ago. And then he also got um, bladder cancer and prostate cancer all in those times that he got the colon cancer back. So it was really tough because he, you know, what a struggle. It just kept coming back and coming back. And then finally the very end um, with the bladder cancer, I think the tumor had kind of wrapped around his ureters and stuff. So there he would have had to have a huge, huge surgery, which would have basically cut, you know, into his pelvis and stuff like that. Um, And they didn't think that would help, but um, yeah, it was, it was sad every time he would get it because he stayed strong and positive too, just like I am until the very end. Then I think he got a little bit bitter because um, I never seen a whole lot of it, but my mom did tell me about how he would get really angry at nights and stuff like that. How did he know that he had colon cancer? Was this a regular checkup? Yeah, that part I don't know. Because like I said, I was a senior in high school. And back then it was like, I didn't really pay too much attention to it other than the fact when I found out he had cancer, that was, you know, horrible and sad. But I'm not sure. I'm thinking it was a regular checkup but not positive of that. Yeah. I guess I didn't realize he struggled with it for so long. Yeah. So he did. struggled with that for like what, 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Cause 49. Cause he died. Yeah, almost 30 years. Yeah. I saw yeah, it was crazy. Ugh. Yeah. And that's, what's kind of scares me about mine too, because you know, seven years ago I had the endometrial cancer and now the breast cancer and, it's like, really, Dad? You really did have to give me this, too? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's amazing how much our genetics play a role, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. My dad never got tested, but I got tested for the Lynch syndrome. Pretty sure my dad had it, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. kind of runs in the family. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you want to share anything about Lindsay? Yeah. She realized something was not right because she started having seizures and stuff and passing out and everything. So she went in and she got diagnosed with brain cancer and she lived with it for two years. I think it was, they thought that she was in remission and then it came back and there was not anything they could do. Some things are just a blur to me because they're so painful that I don't think about them and I don't want to remember them. Yeah, yeah, so, no, I hear you, girl. Yeah. How, how did your brother do with that? Did he oh, let you in very much? Do you feel like? He he didn't do very well with any of it. And to this day, I know he struggles big time with it, but I believe he has gotten some help. Yeah, because 
yeah, his wife would tell me how he really struggling and crying a lot and just, you know, not in his happy, crazy self like Bill is. But I've noticed even lately that he's coming around a lot more and, and seeming to feel a lot better. But I can't even imagine losing a child. That would just, no. be, that would be horrible. Yeah, especially being so powerless. It's like, yeah. how do you just sit back nightmare unfolding that you literally can't wake up from? Yeah, it sure is. So, yeah, it's awful. I'm amazed by the resilience of your family. You know, I just was thinking about our interview with Jeff and, and what a blessing for you to be able to share your story with how you've been able to handle it and keep working and keep opening yourself up to love and and celebrating life, you know, with Waylon being born and you oh, meeting you. Jeff and you going on with life and still helping people how you can. It's pretty inspirational. And I don't mean that lightly. Thank you. But you are too. Very inspirational. <laughs> you know, when I was going through my cancer stuff and I don't know about you either, but anytime people can relate with our stories, I think there's healing in that. And even sh talking about your story, I hope there's healing in it. You bet. Um, yeah, I'm, I just wish you the very best over the next couple of months. It's going to be a big deal, but I'd love to check in with you again, you know, when you're ready to see how you're doing. And I think the listeners too would find your healing process kind of interesting to hear about. So if you're sure. open to that. You bet. I just, one more thing is, um, for people that are going through it, and I know you're just like this too, Tess, and some people don't like to talk about it, but I myself feel like, like you said, it is very healing and feels good to talk about it because you're not keeping everything in. And then also, too, on the other side, people are afraid to ask you about things, too. And when they ask me, I'm like, oh, sure, I don't mind talking about it. I might cry every once in a while because yeah. it just starts to get you, but... I'll tell you anything you want to know. <laughs> yeah. And that, that feels good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, and you can maybe speak to this as well. It's like, I think sometimes people are uncomfortable with it because they just don't know anyone who's gone through it or right. they think feelings are stupid or are feelings that no one else has had. But I guarantee you that if people can just be brave enough to reach out to you or I, we'll right. understand it and we'll listen to it. And if you're bitter or angry, like, that's okay. We just don't want people to lose focus on the hope of continuing on going through life and just figuring out how to overcome those negative things because you and I can still laugh and make jokes even though life sucks sometimes. You bet. <laughs> I love you, Barb. And if you have anybody else that you think would be inspiring to share a story let me know reach out to them let them know what we're doing and I can't wait to see you on the other side and you're going to be just as beautiful if not more beautiful with the versatility with your scars and it's gonna oh. suck but you're gonna get through it gosh right. darn it. you bet I am no yeah. doubt yeah how can I like be there for you over the next couple months is there anything I can do oh I don't know just just shoot me out a, a text every once in a while, maybe. We'll keep in touch, and we yeah. can do this again, too, afterwards. That's I fine. love it. Loving yourself through that is was a spiritual experience for me. I know you probably feel the same way after your hysterectomy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Girls, love you. Love now, you, too. Well, fingers crossed. It's, 
in a localized area that you guys can extract it and move on from it without having to go too invasive. So I hope so. Again, our prayers are with you. Keep that beautiful smile on your face because truly, Barb, even if we get dealt some more shit news, we can get through it with a smile. So That's right. <laughs> you have, bet. Have a freaking great day with Kenzie. Let her know I say hi. I and sure will. I'm excited to talk to her more, too, because we've been having more talks about, like, anxiety and depression. And, like, oh, good. those were not things that slipped into my mind as a young person. I know you know that. And yeah. now that I'm older, it's like, shit. <laughs> like, I can't ignore anxiety and depression anymore. It's, like, stuff I've got to work through and talk right. about. Right. So. <laughs> All right. Awesome. <laughs> All right, love you, girl. We'll be in touch. Tell Jeff, thank you so much. And thanks, girl. Okay, bye bye. Love you. Bye. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast, too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast.com at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash push diaries podcast thank you for listening if there's anything i want you to take with you from this episode you too can smile when the clouds are overhead and you can still remain hopeful It's always easier to be negative and to feel bogged down by what's on the forefront of our lives. When sometimes when our health is threatened, it's easy to feel angry and feel like it's unfair. But you and I have the opportunity to have a more positive outlook, to grab the people around us and pull them close and appreciate, support, encourage, and laugh with them. Remind them of the hope that's in store Remind them of a God who loves them, no matter what our earthly bodies endure. Barb, thank you for sharing your light. Jeff, thank you for taking care of such a bright light and being one yourself. Thank you for sharing your story with all of us. For those of you that are able, I would ask you to pray for Barb and Jeff and their families during September and October. If you're not the praying type, please light a candle or do something nice for someone else that you know. Let's put more healing energy out into the world around us, just like Barb would do. Let's step in and share that loving, caring light so we can turn the tables and take care of her. Never give up and keep on pushing. Be sure to check out Barb and Jeff's webpage to see the show notes, pictures, and resources pertaining to this episode at www.pushdiariespodcast.com forward slash episodes forward slash Jeff and Barb. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.